0: Welcome to Read By, where today's finest authors read what matters to them, from their homes to yours. In this episode, T.C. Boyle reads The School by Donald Barthelme. To learn more from Boyle about his choice, check out the episode description. And now, read by T.C. Boyle.
1: The School, by Donald Barthelme, read by T.C. Boyle. Well, we had all these children out planting trees, see, because we figured that that was part of their education to see how, you know, the root systems and also the sense of responsibility, taking care of things, being individually responsible. You know what I mean. And the trees all died. They were orange trees. I don't know why they died. They just died. Something wrong with the soil, possibly, or maybe the stuff we got from the nursery wasn't the best. We complained about it. So we've got 30 kids there. Each kid had his or her own little tree to plant, and we've got these 30 dead trees. All these kids looking at these little brown sticks, it was depressing. It wouldn't have been so bad, except that just a couple of weeks before the thing with the trees, the snakes all died. But I think that the snakes, well, the reason that the snakes kicked off was that, you remember, the boiler was shut off for four days because of the strike, and that was explicable. It was something you could explain to the kids because of the strike. I mean, none of their parents would let them cross the picket line, and they knew there was a strike going on and what it meant. So when things got started up again and we found the snakes, they weren't too disturbed. With the herb gardens, it was probably a case of overwatering, and at least now they know not to overwater. The children were very conscientious with the herb gardens, and some of them probably, you know, slipped them a little extra water when we weren't looking. Or maybe, well... I don't like to think about sabotage, though it did occur to us. I mean, it was something that crossed our minds. We were thinking that way, probably, because before that, the gerbils had died. And the white mice had died. And the salamander, well, now they know not to carry them around in plastic bags. Of course, we expected the tropical fish to die. That was no surprise. Those numbers, you look at them crooked and their belly up on the surface... But the lesson plan called for a tropical fish input at that point. There was nothing we could do. It happens every year. You just have to hurry past it. We weren't even supposed to have a puppy. We weren't even supposed to have one. It was just a puppy the Murdoch girl found under a Gristides truck one day, and she was afraid the truck would run over it when the driver had finished making his delivery, so she stuck it in her knapsack and brought it to school with her. So we had this puppy. And as soon as I saw the puppy, I thought, oh, Christ, I better live for about two weeks and then, and that's what it did. It wasn't supposed to be in the classroom at all. There's some kind of regulation about it. But you can't tell them they can't have a puppy when the puppy is already there right in front of them running around on the floor and yap, yap, yapping. They named it Edgar. That is, they named it after me. They had a lot of fun running after it and yelling, here, Edgar, nice, Edgar. Then they'd laugh like hell. They enjoyed the ambiguity. I enjoyed it myself. I don't mind being kidded. They made a little house for it in the supply closet and all that. I don't know what it died of. Distemper, I guess. It probably hadn't had any shots. I got it out of there before the kids got to school. I checked the supply closet each morning routinely because I knew what was going to happen. I gave it to the custodian. And then there was this Korean orphan that the class adopted through the Help the Children program. All the kids brought in a quarter a month. That was the idea. It was an unfortunate thing. The kid's name was Kim, and maybe we adopted him too late or something. The cause of death was not stated in the letter we got. They suggested we adopt another child instead and sent us some interesting case histories. But we didn't have the heart. The class took it pretty hard. They began, I think nobody ever said anything to me directly, to feel that maybe there was something wrong with the school. But I don't think there's anything wrong with the school particularly. I've seen better and I've seen worse. It was just a run of bad luck. We had an extraordinary number of parents passing away, for instance. There were, I think, two heart attacks and two suicides, one drowning, and four killed together in a car accident. One stroke. And we had the usual heavy mortality rate among the grandparents. Or maybe it was heavier this year. It seemed so. And finally, the tragedy. The tragedy occurred when Matthew Wine and Tony Mavragorda were playing over where they're excavating for the new federal office building. There were all these big wooden beams stacked, you know, at the edge of the excavation. There's a court case coming out of that. The parents are claiming that the beams were poorly stacked. I don't know what's true and what's not. It's been a strange year. I've got to mention Billy Brant's father, who was knifed fatally when he grappled with a masked intruder in his home. One day, we had a discussion in class. They asked me, where did they go? The trees, the salamander, the tropical fish, Edgar, the papas and mamas, Matthew and Tony, where did they go? And I said, I don't know. I don't know. And they said, who knows? And I said, nobody knows. And they said, is death that which gives meaning to life? And I said, no, life is that which gives meaning to life. Then they said, but isn't death considered as a fundamental datum, the means by which the taken for granted mundanity of the everyday may be transcended in the direction of, I said, yes, maybe. They said, we don't like it. I said, that's sound. They said, it's a bloody shame. I said, it is. They said, will you make love now with Helen, our teaching assistant? so that we can see how it's done? We know you like Helen. I do like Helen, but I said that I would not. We've heard so much about it, they said, but we've never seen it. I said I would be fired, and that it was never or almost never done as a demonstration. Helen looked out the window. They said, please, please make love with Helen. We require an assertion of value. We are frightened. I said that they shouldn't be frightened, although I am often frightened, and that there was value everywhere. Helen came and embraced me. I kissed her a few times on the brow. We held each other. The children were excited. Then there was a knock on the door. I opened the door and the new gerbil walked in. The children cheered wildly.
0: 9-2-Y's Read By is produced and commissioned by New York's 9-2-Y Unterberg Poetry Center, a home for live readings and literature for over 80 years. To invite more authors into your home, subscribe to 9-2-Y's Read By wherever you download podcasts. If you're able, please visit 9-2-Y.org slash help now to donate to support 9-2-Y and our new digital programming. Thank you, and thank you for listening. Find more great recordings at 92y.org slash readby.